Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Good? Good. Well, we're so glad that you're joining us today, whether it's in person or whether you're online. It's such a joy to have you with us today. Um, we just want to say welcome. I want to introduce myself. If you don't know me, my name is Daniel, and I'm the lead pastor here at Elevation. And uh, it is my privilege and honor to serve as the pastor here. And, and, uh, and so we are in the middle of a series uh, that we're calling Do the Right Thing. And we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, I, you know, as we were in worship, I noticed that we kept saying a word uh, that sometimes I wonder if people know what it means. Like we kept saying hallelujah. You, you know, it's like two of the songs I think had a lot of hallelujah in it. Well, the, the hallelujah is a word that Christians use. And it really comes from a Hebrew word, hallel, which is kind of this idea of it, it just really simply means Praise the Lord. And so like what you were doing is you were actually saying praise the Lord over and over and over again, which I think is so cool to think about is we get to come to the house of the Lord and praise him because he's worthy of our praise. Amen. He is. And so if you didn't know what that word meant, that'll help you next time. You'll be like, oh, OK, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm in it now. I got it. I got it. Because before you were probably like, what is that word mean? I've heard that in that Hawaiian guy's song, but I, you know, what was that? What was that Hawaiian guy that sang that song, Hallelujah? Remember that? No one knows this? All right, fine, forget it. I don't even know why I speak sometimes. Well, let me uh, start with our series verse. Uh, so there are a couple of verses that we've laid out as kind of the backdrop for this entire series. So it'll help you kind of have some context to what we're going to be talking about. Let me read these to you in Proverbs chapter 3, which is in the Old Testament. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 21 through 22. You can follow along in your own Bible or it'll be on, your, on the screens as well. But this is the Passion Translation. So to get this picture. A father is speaking to his child. And this is what he says. He says, my child, never drift off course from these two goals of your life. Walk in wisdom and discover discernment. We all need to walk in wisdom and discover greater discernment. Then he goes on and gives us a don't, because the Bible does that sometimes, right? Don't ever forget that they empower you. So wisdom empowers us. Verse 22, for they strengthen you inside and out and inspire you, say it with me, to do what's right. See, do the right thing. That's what we're, that's what we're, we're here. We want to do the right thing. And so do the right thing thing you will look at this you will be energized and refreshed by the healing that they bring now flip all the way over to the book of James which is in the latter parts of the New Testament and James is what some people refer to as the New Testament's uh, proverbs it's kind of the, the 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 proverbs of the New Testament some say I want to read verse 5 to you if you need wisdom Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So if you need wisdom today, the Bible says, ask. It's as simple as that. He is a generous God, and he wants to give you that gift. And so that kind of lays the backdrop for the, the ideas behind this entire series. And we've been looking at Proverbs and James and some other books to kind of try and help us understand wisdom. Because how many of us know that we need some wisdom today in a world that is increasingly more complicated, divided and conflicted? Christians need some wisdom we need to know how to act. We need to know what to do. We need to know how to make decisions that are right. And so I just want to say I'm glad you're here. Christian, I promise if you will listen, you'll get better. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to encourage you to open your mind to the possibility that God has something to say to you, that he wants a relationship with you. And so my heart is, is that you would at least receive some of the things that I say and think about it, because I believe God loves you and he has a plan for your life. Here are just a few things in order to help us understand kind of what's happened in the series so far. The first is, is that we've talked about that God is the source of all wisdom. And having a proper relationship with God is the very thing that's going to help us get wisdom. Because he's, again, the author of wisdom. And if we know God, then we will have greater wisdom. You get it? 
And so it's so important we understand that. The, the other thing is, and I, we, we read this in James, is that wisdom is freely given to all those who desire it. So if you desire it today, ask God and he will give it to you. And then today I want to kind of jump into a new idea just to, just to add a layer to this entire series as we begin to understand better what wisdom is all about. Now, when I was in graduate school, I had a friend named Chuck. And Chuck, which we called Honey Bear, which I won't explain to you. Chuck was really smart, you know? He knew lots of stuff. He had a mind that was just impressive. You ever met someone like that? Like their, their ability to grasp concepts and, oh, they, they could just devour books and it's like it stayed in there, you know? They didn't forget it. And it was like they, their recall was amazing. And you just look at them and you're like, oh my goodness, you're like the smartest person I know. You ever had a friend like that, maybe? Well, it's, it really was like he had this professor's mind, man. He had just had recall. And we would get together and we would hang out in our dormitories and we would talk about God and we'd talk about theology and we'd talk about the Bible and, you know, have all these kinds of wonderful conversations about God. And, and what would happen is that Chuck would sometimes start talking and he would start sharing all the things that he knew. You know what I'm talking about? Like he would just be like, and this and this. And he'd be like, oh, I was reading this book the other day. And he's like, I mean, it's almost like he's just taking you to school, you know? And, 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 and again, he was very knowledgeable. But sometimes what I noticed was that when he kept talking, sometimes it started to feel like, almost like he was condescending a little bit. You ever met someone that was so smart and they, and they, they, they talked to the, the people down there? You know what I'm talking about? You ever had one of those things happen where you're just kind of like, man, this feels kind of weird. It's like, you know, kind of icky or whatever. And I remember kind of a, the running joke was with Chuck, and we had a good relationship, so I could rib him like this. But, but, but he would start going and talking about all the things he knows or, or whatever. And I, I would just at some point just finally say, Chuck, I'm not dumb. And it would just kind of stop things, you know what I mean? Like, it was just that moment in the room, like when someone says something and everybody's like, huh? you know, you just kind of look at it and it would just stop it. And it was kind of a funny thing and we joked about it and whatever. But that's the thing with knowledge, isn't it? That's the thing with knowing more things, knowing more information. It doesn't seem to always lead to the things that God wants. Have you noticed that? Sometimes knowledge can seem to lead us to behaviors, thoughts, ideas, even character aspects that don't reflect God at all. And so here's the point that the Bible is trying to help us to see is that knowledge and wisdom are very different things. You can have all the wisdom in the world. I mean, all the knowledge in the world and not have any wisdom. We know that's true. And so what I want to do is spend a little time talking about that today. The uniqueness of what wisdom is, especially in contrast to like knowledge and how God wants us then to, to, to not only get it, but then apply it into our lives. And so here's the big idea that I want you to see today. And it's very straightforward. I would even go as far as to say you might even call me Captain Obvious for saying this. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do in life. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? It, it? You know, it's like, whoa, that was, that was powerful. Thank you. You work on that all week? You know? Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do in life. See, a father is speaking to his son in this particular proverb that I'm about to read to you. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Watch this. He says to his son, get wisdom. That's it. Get wisdom. That's pretty straightforward. He goes on and he says, develop good judgment. And then he gives us two don'ts. When the Bible gives us don'ts, it's for our good. It's not to hurt us, not to harm us. But the Bible says don't. Here are the don'ts. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. So if you get wisdom, don't forget them. Don't turn away from them. And then the next don't is in verse 6. Don't turn your back on wisdom. 
for she will protect you. A lot of times in the Bible, wisdom was personified as a woman. And so you hear this kind of language, for she will protect you. It goes on and says, love her and she will guard you. Verse 7, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. You see where I got my point for today? I didn't even come up with it. It was right there. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And then listen, and whatever else you do, develop good judgment. So so the proverb is is helping us to see how important wisdom is. And if you you investigate a little further, we're looking at the New Living Translation. And and the New Living Translation kind of takes some interpretive license to help us better understand, okay? But, but I think it's important that sometimes we look back at things that are a little more accurate to the language. And so as I look at, like, like if you went and you read, like, the New King James Version of the Bible, you would see some words that aren't in this particular uh, translation. And so if you see, look at this. It says, get wisdom, develop good judgment. Well, in the New King James Version of the Bible, it says, get understanding. So it's right. You get wisdom, get understanding. And so the, the, the part I'm trying to help you see is that I don't know, when I read get wisdom and understanding, sometimes I don't know how that works. I don't know exactly, I mean, like I need to understand wisdom. Okay, I need to understand it, but what's the point of understanding it? Well, the New Living tries to help me see. It's so that I can make good judgment. Do you see that? And so it's important we understand that the goal is not just to get wisdom. It's also to make good judgments. It's also to be able to make, here it is, Good decisions. You made any bad decisions in your life? (laughs) Probably not. We all want to make good decisions, don't we? We just do. No one wakes up and says, man, I hope I screw it up so bad today with every decision I make. It's going to be awesome. No one does that. And the Bible says if we get wisdom, we're on the path. See? If we get wisdom, we're on the journey, we're on the road that's going to lead to greater decision-making. And we need that right now. I love this. If you go a little deeper into the New King James Version, in verse 7, when it says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do, the New King James kind of translates it this way, is wisdom is, look at this, the principal thing. The principal thing. And guess how principal is spelled? The ending is not L-E. The ending is A-L. Get it? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you're like, what are you doing? (laughs) Here's the point. There's a principle that we sometimes follow, like, you know, an idea or a thought or a principle. And then there's a principle, A-L, that is the person that walks in the room. And if you're a teacher, you say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You got it? That's what the Bible is saying here. It's not about just ideas. It's not about just having a good thought or a good idea, a good axiom that you live your life by. No, no. It's personified. In other words, what the Bible is saying is is getting wisdom is like grabbing hold of a leader and recognizing that wisdom is the leader. Wisdom is the principle. And if wisdom tells you to do something, you do it. If you don't, you'll lose your job. Make sense? You get it? And so that's the sense of what the Bible is trying to get us to see, is that there is this this principle that is guiding our life, and that principle is wisdom. And when we get wisdom, we then can move out and do the things that God has called us to do because the principle, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is with us. You see it? And so, so, so we've got to understand this very important idea. Now, did you notice that wisdom will protect and guard us? I love that. I love the fact that wisdom will protect me and guard me. We spend a lot of time in our lives today protecting ourselves and guarding ourselves, don't we? Like, I mean, it could be that you bought a security system, you know, just to make sure. Or maybe you're one of those people that bought one of them uh, nests or things that 
you know, video cameras that you put all over your house now and you watch everybody in your neighborhood and it's super creepy. Like some of you become crazy voyeurs and you need to stop it. Like you just need to stop. You've gone too far. But we do that because we want to be safe. We do that because we want to be guarded. We want, we want to make sure that nothing bad happens. You know, we want to be protected. And what's cool about what the Bible is saying is that if we get wisdom, we actually will be protected. We will be guarded. And that's what's so beautiful about it when we get it. But here's the question that I think should be on our minds is what, what are we being protected from? You know what I mean? Like, what is wisdom guarding us from? What is wisdom protecting us from? Well, it's actually not that complicated. It's pretty straightforward. Matter of fact, it's just a very simple word, and you've probably heard it. Here it is, pride. See, wisdom is there to help us not go to a place of pride. Pride is a nasty little thing. And I can tell you this, it's hard to see in yourself, isn't it? No one walks around and like, man, I'm dysfunctioning in pride today all the time. Pride, pride, pride. But I guarantee you, somebody that knows you real well can probably see it. They can see it better than you. And see, that's the thing that wisdom is trying to help us to, 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 to understand is that if we don't get wisdom from God, what will happen is we will start to become more and more prideful. How? By the things we know. See, see here, here, here's the point I want you to get. Knowledge alone causes pride. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that to grow in knowledge without any sense of wisdom leads to greater forms of pride and ultimately your destruction. I don't know if you know this, but Satan was kicked out of heaven because of what? Pride. Pride is something that we don't fully understand all the time and can't very well see, but wisdom helps us see it. Wisdom helps us understand that knowledge is there to be used, but under the authority of wisdom. And never the opposite, because knowledge leads to pride. Now, I'm going to show you what I mean, because the Bible talks about this. I don't want you to think I'm making this stuff up. But see, we can have all the knowledge in the world, can't we, and still be unwise. You, ever, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, Chuck, I love you. I'm sorry I threw you under the bus. But you see my point? Is there was knowledge there, but it didn't necessarily lead to wisdom. And so here's, here's the thing that I think is so important. Is that when we don't understand this principle, what will happen is we will gain more knowledge, gain more information, but it won't increase our love for God or for people. Isn't that the thing that Jesus said was the most important thing? So while I appreciate your pursuit of knowledge, if it doesn't increase your love for people or God, it's filthy rags. It's worthless. You see? And that's what we have to understand. I want to read something to you that Paul wrote. As he was writing to the Corinthian church, it was a church he started. And he's writing to this church, and, and, and he says this. I'll just read it to you. And I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version of the Bible. And if you've never read the Amplified Version of the Bible, it's important you get this, is that the Amplified Version of the Bible takes a translation and then adds words to help and phrases to help you understand what the translation is saying. So it's amplifying the translation. Does that make sense? It's like an electric guitar being plugged into an amp. You get what I'm saying? It amplifies the sound. It amplifies your understanding. That's what should happen. And so, so I want to read that to you. And so this is in chapter 8, verse 1. And I'm going to read through uh, a few of these verses. This is how Paul starts this section. He says, now about food offered to idols. You're like... Why do I care about that? See, in their context, they had some issues. There were lots of idols, and there were lots of things being offered to these idols, and they would sacrifice things. And, and I get it. Like, we read that, and we hear that, and we're like, well, how in the world does this apply to me? Well, here's the thing. There are things in our culture that if Paul was hanging out in this culture, he would say, now of these things. 
You get it? In that particular context, that's what he was dealing with. He was dealing with a very new church that was dealing with a lot of idol worship and sacrifices going to it. And so if, if that isn't something that we normally see around here. I mean, when you drove to church this morning, you didn't see somebody on the hill sacrificing a goat, did you? As far as I know, probably still happens, but it, it, you didn't see it. But aren't there other things that might show up in the book? that are a part of our congregation, that Paul might be like, let's talk about this. Yes? And so kind of get that in your head. So he's speaking about a thing, but here's the thing. The principles apply today. The principles of what he's saying apply today, even though we maybe not be sacrificing a goat. Got it? Here's what he says. He says, of course, we know that all of us possess knowledge, so he's like, yeah, we all got knowledge. We get it concerning these matters. But he goes on. Knowledge causes people to be what? Puffed up. Isn't that a great word picture? You ever felt puffy? Like I just picture somebody who has a lot of knowledge with a big old, that's why they say big head. He's got a big head. He's puffy. Can you picture it? He's got a puffy head. It says knowledge causes people to be puffed up, to, to look at this, to bear themselves lofty and to be proud. But, you know I love the big but in scripture. I say this all the time. And the reason I love the but in scripture is because it contrasts something for us and it helps us understand what's really going on. See, when we see contrast in scripture, we should tune in. There's a reason there's a contrast. So right now, we just had described to us knowledge leading to us being puffed up. But then watch this. But love, it's different. He's not talking about knowledge now. He's talking about love. He says, but love, affection and goodwill and benevolence edifies and builds up and encourages one to grow into their full stature. Isn't that good? So, so what he's saying is, is that, 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 that knowledge puffs up but love builds up. It edifies, right? And, and so he's contrasting this. So Christians, listen. Listen to this. If our behaviors don't reflect this, we got a problem. We got a problem. And so, so he goes on a little bit more in verse 2. He says, if anyone imagines that he, he, he has come to know uh, and, and understand much, he does not yet perceive and recognize and understand as strongly and clearly, nor has he become as intimately acquainted with anything that he ought or as a necessary. Was it me or did you go, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> Let me sum it up for you. It's very straightforward, as clear as I can possibly be. You're not that smart. Like what he's saying is like, look, you're not that smart. You think you're smart. You think you're really knowledgeable. And what's happening is you're getting puffy. And you need to watch that because that is not what God is about. That is not what he's about. And so he says, hey, you're not that smart. And some of, that stings for some of us because we walk through life thinking that we really are. And I guess in the world, maybe you are. But you can have all the knowledge in the world and still be a jerk and still be unwise and therefore unreflecting or not reflecting the character and nature of God, which is our job. We are to be light to a dark world. Man, Pastor, that's good. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but then watch this in verse 3. But if, if one loves God truly, and I love the way the Amplified, it kind of amplifies it. It says, with affectionate reverence. Look at that. Obedient uh, or prompt obedience and grateful recognition of his blessings. So in other words, to love God truly is to fear him, to show reverence for him, to be obedient promptly. Not like, I'll get to that soon, God. No, no promptly and be thankful if you struggle with being thankful you are focused on the wrong thing 
And I would encourage you, get a piece of paper out and write 25 things that you're thankful for every day and watch your thankfulness meter go up. So, 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 so we see very clearly the contrast, right? So he says, but if, if, if one loves God truly, this is what it'll look like. But then he says this, he is known by God. Don't you want to be known by God? I actually, in my prayer time, I want to hear God say my name. I want to be that close to the Lord. And when he says my name, I don't want to cower in fear. I want to say, and when he says it, I want to be like, ooh, God, I want to, I want to be with you. I want him to know me. He says he's known by God. And then the Amplified says, recognized as worthy of his intimacy. Do you believe you're, 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 you're worthy of God's, to, to have intimacy with God? Think about that. Jesus makes you worthy to be with God. Woo-wee. If some of you get a hold of that today, it will set you free. To be worthy of his intimacy and love. And then watch this. And, and he is owned by him. I am owned by God. I like that. I like that. Do you notice the knowing in all of this is kind of interesting. A lot of times we want to know more stuff. But I think the point of the Christian life is to know God more to know him first, to know his presence first, then deal with knowledge. Yeah, I mean, think about that. Isn't it, isn't it the truth that, that we need to pursue God first and knowledge second? And here's the thing that we know, and we see it all the time in our world, is that people that pursue knowledge more than they pursue God end up in pride. Or they end up in situations where they're making awful decisions with their lives. It's not that complicated. Now, I realize that some of us make mistakes, but the Bible says very clearly that if I get on the path of wisdom, I will make better choices. I will make better decisions. And it's clear in the scriptures. And so, so, so let me speak to the parents for a moment. I love you guys. You know that. But the goal of parenting is to get your kids to leave. You're like, What? It's true. Your job is to raise them so that at some point they want to go out into the world and do what God has called them to do. That doesn't mean they can't ever come home and hang out with you and do all that kind of stuff. It just means the goal is that, right? And what happens sometimes is, is and this has happened to me as a pastor over the years, and, and that is you get the, the, the college-age student, and please receive this with as much love that I say it, is, is you get a college student that, that maybe is 18 or 19 years old, and they're going to go off to college, and, and, and maybe what happens is they go off to college and they just make a mess of things. You ever seen that happen? Yeah. It's not like confusing like they joined a fraternity and wow I can't believe they became an alcoholic that's weird but here's the thing we spend a lot of time training our kids don't we we spend a lot of time giving them education you know we want to help them send them to the best schools teach them to read make sure they can spell do the arithmetic what if we spent the same amount of time training them in wisdom? Hmm? Maybe when they go off to college, they won't lose their stuff. Maybe they won't lose their faith. Maybe they won't make the same choices. Think about that for a second. We send our kids to school for about eight hours a day, whether it's a public or private school. Eight hours a day. In education. How much time do we spend training our kids in wisdom? And we wonder why they make a mess of things when they get out from underneath your authority. Does that feel heavy? A little bit. But here's the good news. Wisdom says, if we will lead them to wisdom, they'll go on the path 
And while they're on the path, they'll be able to make better choices. And isn't that what every parent wants? Like, I trust my kids in environments because I've trained them in wisdom, not because I don't think they'll ever make a bad choice. It just means that I believe that they're looking to make the right choice, the wise choice. And isn't that what we want? Okay, I've probably camped out on that a little too long. But you see my point is that we've got to make sure that when we're training people, that we spend just as much time in wisdom as we do in knowledge. Because knowledge makes us prideful. Wisdom makes us more like God. The second thing that I want you to see is that that God's wisdom is soaked in truth and love. It's soaked in truth and love. And if it doesn't have both equally, what happens is bad stuff. Okay, and and it's important you see this. I love the way that Pastor Chris Hodges says this. He says, truth without grace is mean. And then he says, but grace without truth is meaningless. Get that. Truth without grace is mean. You ever met some mean people that brought the truth? But then he says, grace without truth is meaningless. It's pointless. It has no weight to it. It's fluffy. You can't build your life on it, you see. And so, so what he's trying to get us to see is that both are important. Matter of fact, he goes on to say it this way. He says, truth and grace are medicine. Get that. You know what medicine does for you? It helps you. Like if you have a headache, you take Tylenol and the headache goes away. Praise God. Hallelujah. Right? But, but if Tylenol... Maybe it was missing an ingredient. Maybe it wouldn't work. You see? And what the Bible is saying is that when we have truth and grace, truth and love, we become the antidote for the disease of humanity. You see it? And that's why we need it. That's why we need truth and love in everything that we do. And guys, what is one of the biggest criticisms of the church that that you know of? Christians are just judgmental. They're just mean old people. They're judgmental. All they do is tell me I'm bad. I ain't even going there. Matter of fact, I was at a, I was somewhere, I won't say the person. I was somewhere this week. And I was listening to this person who doesn't know God. And that was one of the things that came out of their mouth. And I was like, that's messed up, isn't it? Don't you think the fragrance of Jesus should be beautiful? Smell good. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be bad. It should be like, oh, God, oh, put that. No, it shouldn't be that at all. It should be, it, it should smell good. There should be, there should be, people should want it. We should repent of ever being that. Because God is so much better than that. And God forgive us for the times that we've soiled your name because of how we've acted with truth. We have to aim to love people and give them truth. And we also have to help people that just flow around like a little fairy dust, you know, love this, love that. Everybody's loving, loving, you know, like hippies back in the 60s. Some of you used to be them. But listen, we know that that doesn't work either. We know that just having the love, love, love thing, it ain't going to fix our world's problems. It's going to lead to more. You know one of the things it's going to do? It's going to lead to more destructive attachments. And those destructive attachments will eventually be ripped apart and create more division in the world. That's what feelings and love sometimes do. So we always have to balance those two things. Is it, you guys getting this? This this is okay for you? I mean, you're making sense? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Got my golf clap. Thank you, Jesus. But listen to this in Proverbs chapter 3. Verse 11 through 18. I'm going to run through this as quick as I can because I I really want you to get this. The father, a father, is saying to the child again, when the Lord God speaks to you, never take his words lightly. Have you ever taken the word of God lightly? Huh. He says, don't ever take the word of God lightly and never be upset when he corrects you. (laughs) Have you ever been upset when God corrected you? Have you ever been upset when you read one of those warnings or one of those things like the don'ts and you read it and you're like, right 
You, you don't go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I love that. Do that again. No. It, it, there's like, right? You, you respond to it negatively. But look, the reason you shouldn't do that, look at this. Verse 12. For the Father's discipline comes only from his passionate love and pleasure for you. Do you know that? Do you know that God disciplines you because he loves you? He disciplines you because he enjoys you. He wants the best for you. When God says no, there's a reason. And perhaps, maybe, just maybe, he knows better. He knows what's on the other side of that choice. And so perhaps he's trying to help us and not hurt us. And isn't it crazy to think about when God says no and we get mad about it and then the bad stuff happens and we go down the path that we shouldn't have gone down, what happens? We get mad at him. We're like, God, why didn't you show up? And he's like, I had a sign there. And it was like, don't enter. And you're like, I don't even care. And I walk right through it. And then we get mad at God. Ha. He says, even when it seems like his correction is harsh, it's still better than any father on earth gives to his child some of us had bad uh, or bad examples on earth like our father relationships just wasn't good maybe it was absent I don't know sometimes maybe you had a father that gave you all kinds of truth but no love you know maybe you had all kinds of love but no truth I don't know but here's the thing and I hate this I, I really do kind of hate this because there's a desire in me to be, be the best father I can be but I also know that in on my best days I'll never be perfect like my heavenly father. And that's the contrast he's trying to get you to see. He's saying, look, it may have been good or bad, or you may have the greatest earthly father or not so good or average or middle of the road. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just know, contrast, the heavenly father is better and perfect in everything he does. So if, if the father says don't, he's doing that because he's perfect and he knows. And you should be like, yep, mm-hmm. I'm in. You shouldn't think through a lens of the other father. This is so important. Verse 13. Those who find true wisdom obtain the tools of understanding, the proper way to live, for they have a fountain of blessing pouring into their lives. Who doesn't want that? And he goes on. He says, to gain the riches of wisdom is far greater than to gain the wealth of the world. Much of the pain that we experience in life is because we're chasing after money, power, success, pleasure. And God says, if you will run after wisdom, those things won't get to you. They're, they're so much better than the wealth of the world. Verse 14, as, as, as wisdom increases, a great treasure is imparted. Come on, who doesn't like treasure? Greater than many bars of refined gold. Wouldn't it be cool to have like stacks of gold in your heart? The Bible says you get wisdom, you will. It is a more valuable commodity than gold and gemstones, for there is nothing you desire that can compare to wisdom. Verse 16, wisdom extends, to, it extends you a long life in one hand and wealth and promotion in the other. And then watch this. This is the part I want you to see. Out of her mouth flows righteousness, and out of wisdom words release both in law and mercy. And you're like, what? Truth and love. Wisdom releases that into our lives. Truth and love. And when those are in balance in our lives, we can love people and we can love God in a way that the world looks on and goes, huh, I, I might be interested in that. Rather than, I have no interest in going that place with that person because those people. Mm. And so then verse 17, and I'm almost done with this part of it. The ways of wisdom are sweet. Isn't that good? They're sweet. They're like candy. Some of you like candy, don't you? Admit it. It says, the ways of wisdom is sweet, always drawing you into the place of, look at this, wholeness. 
If you are following a wisdom today that leads you into greater division, that leads you into greater compartmentalization, that leads you into greater kind of uh, 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 division in your heart or anything, philosophy, wisdom, whatever it is, it's contrary to what God's plan is for you. See, wisdom of God leads to wholeness, completeness. It doesn't lead to greater division. And I would even go a step further in a very practical way. Maybe we're following groups today that are leading to greater division in our lives. And I would just simply say, are you sure that's from God? Because see, James would tell us that I need to check my motives if the result, the sum total or result of what I'm doing leads to greater division. If it leads to that kind of problem in the church and in the world, James says, you better check your motive because you're seeking pleasure. You're seeking things that aren't of God. You're not seeking wisdom. You're not seeking, you're, you're, not, you're seeking pleasure. You're not seeking his presence. Hmm. And then he goes on in verse 18. Seeking for her brings the discovery of untold blessings. For she, wisdom, is the healing tree of life to those who taste her fruits. Isn't that good? So, so picture this. You're walking in the Garden of Eden, whatever that looks like for you. You're walking into the Garden of Eden, and there's a big old tree with a big old juicy apple right there. And you grab hold of that apple. And when you take a bite of it, your, your life is flooded with wisdom. It's flooded with healing. It's flooded with peace. It's flooded with all the things that we want. And you know where you got it? You got it from the garden. You got it from the tree of life. You didn't get it from the world. God wants to bring that into you. He wants to bring that into your life. Okay, last point and then we're done, okay? Just stay, stay with me. Slap your face. Put a little water on it. Whatever you gotta do, stay with me. I promise, it's good. Gaining wisdom will lay a foundation for making good decisions and performing right actions. We all wanna make better decisions. We all wanna make right decisions action in this world but listen to this in psalm 3 verse 5 trust in the lord completely it doesn't say trust in the world it doesn't tr say trust in wisdom of man it says trust in the lord completely and do not rely on your uh-oh your own <laughs> let me say it you guys ready you've already seen it on the screen haven't you do not rely on your own opinions. Ugh. See, knowledge leads to us thinking that our opinions are really, they really do matter a lot. And I'm not saying you're not smart. You're probably smarter than me. But here's the thing about our opinions. They don't always line up with what God's about. Our opinions don't always reflect the wisdom and nature and character of God. And so sometimes what happens is we, we, we throw our opinions into the world. We throw our opinions on the world stage. We even throw our opinions into meetings and in the church. And, hey, everybody, listen to my opinion. And, yeah, we, our world is, everybody has an opinion. And not just that everybody has an opinion like that's something new. Now you have access to it everywhere. Everybody's a scholar. Everybody's a medical doctor. Everybody's a preacher. Whatever. And everybody gives their opinions. And here's the thing that's crazy. We need to seek God's wisdom and spend less time with our opinions. Right? And, and here's the, the crazy thing about this. Is sometimes we even believe that our opinions are on par with God's principles. <laughs> Think about that. And then watch with all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in what? In every decision you make. Verse six, become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. God is dummy proofing the process for all of us. Even if I choose the wrong path, the Bible says he still guides me on the path with wisdom. That's amazing to think that God has not left me or forsaken me even if I screw it up. He's still with me. He's still helping me no matter what because wisdom is my guide. Wisdom is what I'm looking for. 
And this is the thing that I so much want us to see, is that God wants to bring this into your life and into mine. Some of us spend way too much time thinking about our own opinions. And we need to spend more time thinking about the wisdom of God. Here are three actions, and then I'm done. Three actions from James that I believe will help you make better decisions. I want to read James 1, 19 through 20 to help you get what I'm saying. Verse 19, understand my beloved brethren and sisterin. <laughs> Let every man be quick to hear, slow to speak, huh? slow to take offense and get angry. Look at this. For man's anger does not promote the righteousness of God. That's powerful, isn't it? See, good decisions and right action come from a deep well of wisdom, but we have to make sure that these three things that James is talking about is being manifested in our life and in our relationships with one another and with God. Number one is we need to listen well. Stop talking so much. Listen well to people. Before you criticize someone's stand, invest in looking to where they sit. Do you understand? See where they're coming from. See what their lens is. Understand where they sit first before you judge where they stand. And I promise you, when you do that, even if you disagree with what they stand on, you will better understand them. And they will feel like you actually give a flip instead of feeling judged. You see my point? And so we have to listen well first. Number two, speaking only after thinking first. <laughs> Isn't that good? Like, how many times have we allowed our emotions or our impulsivity to lead us to say things and do things that aren't honoring to God? It's very, it's crazy how often we do that. And the thing I'm trying to get us to see is let's just pause for a moment. Don't say that thing. Don't send that email. Don't send that text message. Don't put that post out there. Don't make that phone call. Just wait a second. Back up and say, God, will you show me what's wise? Holy Spirit, will you show me what's wise? And the Bible says, if you ask, God will give it to you. You just have to slow down. See, God's never in a hurry. You understand that, right? We're the ones in a hurry. We're the ones that are frantic, running around, going, oh, what's going to happen? Ah. At no point is God in heaven going, oh, I just don't know what's going to happen. I'm just freaked out. If we don't act soon, Holy Spirit, the whole thing's going down. <laughs> That's not even true. Number three, slow to anger. Right? Slow to get angry. Verse 20. Man's anger does not promote the righteousness of God. When you get angry, there's a good chance that you're not doing what God would want you to do. Now listen to me. I'm not saying anger is always bad. Anger is an emotion that God gave us for a reason. But anger was never intended by God to be applied as a scorched earth campaign. Does that make sense? If you're in a situation where your anger is burning everyone around you, like you're just frying them all right now with your anger, it's not from God. Let me be clear. God's anger, righteous anger, the wrath of God, is always a surgical strike towards injustice. Wrath is not a character trait of God. It is an action to deal with injustice. And human beings, sometimes we have righteous anger to deal with injustice. But we don't walk around going, it's a surgical strike for the purpose of dealing with it. And so may we never allow our anger to just scorch everybody around us. May we always make a very clear surgical strike. And I would just say, if you're angry, and you don't know which is which, ask somebody else that believes in God and say, is my anger righteous? And they'll be like, nope. <laughs> or they'll be like, yep, okay. 
If we will apply these three things, I believe that we will make better decisions. It's, just that, it's that simple. If we will seek the wisdom of God, we will get it and we'll make better decisions. And that's what our world needs. Earlier in my message, I talked about God knowing us. And here's the question. Do we know him? I don't know where you are today. I don't know what your journey has been. I don't know your story. But I know this. 100% the Bible says that God wants to know you. He wants to know you. And he wants to know your heart. And he wants to know what you're dealing with. He wants to know all those things. And he provided a way for that to happen through his son, Jesus Christ. And my heart and my, my prayer for you today is if you don't know that, that you'd reach in faith for a God that loves you today. I want to spend just a few minutes in prayer and then I'll be done. Um, many of us just need prayer to be wiser in what we do, right? And so I want to pray for you. And then I also want to pray for those in the room that would like to take a step of faith. Let's all pray together. God, I thank you for the fact that your wisdom helps us every day if we'll let it. But God, sometimes we forget. Sometimes we've messed it up. And so, Lord, we just want to honor you first. We just want to simply say, God, we love you. We ask, God, that you would help us to gain wisdom. We ask, Lord, that in every area of our life that we would begin to function more in this wisdom. Will you help us to be quick to listen? Help us to be slow to speak. Help us to be slow to get angry so that we might be able to reflect all that you want us to reflect to the world that so desperately needs to hear it. God, we need your help. Just tell him that. The Bible says that if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is who he says he is, that he'll come in and he'll save you and he will transform you if you'll let him. And so my prayer for you today, as we continue to pray, is that you would take a step of faith. I don't know if you know the story, but the Bible says that, that God sent his son as a baby who grew into a man and at the age of 33, went to a cross to die a brutal death for you and for me. After he was taken down from that cross and put in a tomb, the Bible records that three days later, he beat sin and death. And as a result, built a bridge back to God for you and me. And my heart is that you would believe that today. And so I want to offer a prayer. And if you'd like to pray this prayer with me, I'd love for you to do so. So church, let's all pray this prayer together so that no one feels alone. Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be my savior? Will you be my Lord? Change me from the inside out. Hmm. Show me my purpose. <laughs> I choose this day to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions?